Because faith comes through hearing the message of Christ, this sermon has been uploaded for you by Grace Unlimited, a ministry that functions out of Living Hope Church, Pretoria, South Africa. We want Jesus Christ to have first place in everything in our church. And we want to help you know and follow Jesus in all of life and to help others do the same. Find out more or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. Definitely um, wishing we could be in person. Um, definitely missing fellowship, missing seeing your faces, missing being able to just catch up with you and be encouraged by you and hear how you're doing and um, you know just be able to encourage one another in the Lord and enjoy each other. Uh, we're looking forward to um, being able to do that again as soon as possible, Lord willing. Um, but even though we can't be in person together today, we still have an opportunity here to together um, sit and listen to the same sermon, to the same teaching from God's Word, and um, and that in and of itself is an expression of the of the unity we have in Christ, of the fact that we are one body, and um, I trust that God will use this time uh, to minister His Word to us um, all today. So let me start us off by praying for us. Dear God, we want to ask you, Lord, for mercy. Um, we, um, we're in the middle of, of this third wave. Um, there's many deaths. There's lots of people losing their jobs. There's lots of inconveniences, uh, even just as we've been talking about, just not being able to gather together to worship um, as a church. God, we do ask that you would turn this around and turn it around soon. Um, we trust nonetheless, Lord, that you will bring good through this time. And uh, we do ask you to continue to do that. We ask you to help us to trust you during uh, the, the difficulties of this time, during even fearful times. Um, God, speaking of which, we, we do think of our friend Joel Kirby, whose life has been just seemingly so close to an end. Um, and Lord, we, we do pray that you would bring him through. Um, you would heal him, and we pray that you would continue to to give him courage to share the gospel um, with with many as he's on his hospital in his hospital bed and that you would encourage him and encourage his wife and children and Lord I pray that he would be able to return to the ministry of Untatile and you would continue to use him greatly uh, for the good of orphans in this country and Lord we definitely think of the unrest that has been taking place um, in KwaZulu-Natal and Gauteng townships and some other places. And we, we pray also, Lord, that you would bring that to a complete stop soon and that the damage that has come about from that would be reversed as quickly as possible 
to the extent that it can be. God, we think of jobs that have been lost and businesses that have been destroyed, and we think of people who are just feeling very hopeless at the moment. God, we pray that you would use your people to shine brightly in this dark situation. Um, and we pray that Christians would be stepping up to serve and care for people and to be generous and and to to walk alongside people and to point them to you, to point them to hope, even as they are practically caring for the the the, the physical day to day struggles that people are facing. God, we also know just that you will bring good through this situation as well. And we pray you will continue to do so. Pray also that you would specifically for the families of people in our church who are um, in areas that have been been um, struck hard by this unrest. And we pray that you would provide their daily needs, that you would give them the, the bread and 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 the, the basic supplies that they need that, that are difficult to find in the stores. Lord, we trust you. We ask for your help. And Lord, we also ask for your help as we hear from your word now. Use it, God, to help us to see life more accurately, to see that you are God and we are not. You are on your throne and we are a puff of smoke. We're a vapor. We're nothing. We're here and then we're gone. And God, I pray you would use this to help us to grow in our dependence on you and our trust in you and to see that it is such a good thing. It is such a good thing that you are God and that we can trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, well, I think if we are honest... There's certain things we don't like having to pray about. <laughs> um, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus instructs us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. He wants us to ask God to please provide the absolute essentials that we need to live. And I'm sure many of us do pray this prayer, or at least pray it from time to time, because it's in the Lord's Prayer and we've learned it. Uh, we've grown up with it, perhaps. But that doesn't mean we actually enjoy being in a situation where we actually feel like, I don't know where my daily bread is going to come from, and I need to pray for this. Um, no, it's one thing to say the words. It's another thing to face the reality. Similarly, I pray every night, for God to keep my kids safe as they sleep. But I really, really prefer to not pray that prayer in a situation where it actually feels to me like my children might not wake up the next morning. And honestly, this is what things have been like in KwaZulu-Natal this week or in some of the Gauteng townships even, um, where people don't know where their next meal is coming from, where, or where they can even find bread. Um, long, long lines outside of stores, and the stores are empty. And 
during the, the worst of this unrest, fires that people can see on the next hill, or perhaps just even a few hundred meters down the road, um, gunshots through the night. And these prayers are not just words, it's, it's, it's a very unsettling, uncomfortable reality that people are facing. God, keep us safe. God, please, may we see tomorrow. We prefer to live life as if tomorrow is guaranteed. There will be bread to eat. We will be safe in our beds tonight. And definitely, hey, by the way, see you at that bry on Saturday. Right? It's, it's a given. It's a given. Situations like the coronavirus and the Zuma unrest do not sit well with us. But my friends, the truth is, Situations like this can help remind us of what is real. Of what is real. Because under other circumstances, life can feel under control. And tomorrow can seem like it is guaranteed. But that is an illusion. It's not real. It's a falsehood that we gladly believe because we prefer it and because it makes us feel a whole lot more comfortable. We like being in control. We like not needing anyone's help. We far prefer to not need anyone's help, even God's. We like to feel like we've got this. And in today's sermon, I'm going to start off by showing you that this uncomfortable place we've been living in the last few weeks and even in the last couple of years with Corona is really where all of life is. It's really, it's really is reality. If we see things with humble eyes, if we see things through the lens of God's word. And I'm going to step on your toes a little bit today, perhaps showing you what scripture says about how we prefer to view life and go about life, or at least how we can slip into going about life. But then we're going to look at how we can change and honor God and how we view life and how we go about making plans and pursuing goals. I trust at the end of it all that God will comfort you and encourage you. So let's dive into God's word together. The passage we're going to be in today is James 4, verses 13 to 16. So please turn there in your Bibles. James 4, verses 13 to 16. As you're turning there, um, I'll start reading for us. James 4, verse 13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there, and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, 
and all such boasting is evil. What does James mean in this passage by God's will? Well, there's two ways um, the Bible speaks about God's will. There's his will of command, which um, uh, is basically, um, well, there's two ways. There's his will of command and there's his will of decree. And when we're speaking about his will of command, we're talking about the things that God tells us to do or tells us not to do, right? So we know it's God's will that we as Christians don't get drunk. We know that it's God's will that we as Christians do not commit adultery. We know that we are sinning and going against his will uh, if we do these things that he's forbidden us to do or if we don't do things that he has called us to do. Um, Secondly, though, there's God's will of decree. And this refers to his rule over history so that he accomplishes his good purposes through every detail, including the sinful actions of men and including even the cursed dynamics of a broken, fallen world, earthquakes and tsunamis and coronaviruses and things like that. The best example of this, though, is the cross itself, right? Where we see that God works through the sin of many, many people, through so many circumstances, so many details, in order for Jesus to die on the cross and become the Savior of the world, right? History's greatest sin used by God to accomplish history's greatest good. And this is what this passage is talking about when it says, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills, it's God's plan. So according to this passage, to plan for us, to plan for the future and live our lives without remembering and factoring in our absolute dependence on God for everything is, is living in a fairy tale. It's, it's not reality and it is both arrogant and evil. Well, let's consider why. Why is it arrogant to live life as if we have things under control and as if tomorrow is guaranteed? Well, first of all, we act as if we know the future when only God does. We act as if we know the future when only God does. Isaiah 46 verses 9 to 10 says, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. And what proves that there is none like God? Well, verse 10 continues. It says, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done. The future, right? Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. In other words, nobody knows the future except God. Nobody can make plans that will stand guaranteed no matter what except God. And that is true even when we're just talking about plans for tomorrow. Secondly, it's arrogant for us to plan without reference to our total dependence on God because we act as if our lives are not as temporary and fragile as they are. Brothers and sisters, there's only one creator. (laughs) Only God is self-sufficient, dependent 
on no one and nothing. Only God knows with certainty that he has a tomorrow. We act as if we can assume a long life and determine the length of our lives even, when only God can. Think about the image James uses here. Your life is a vapor. What we're thinking about here is like on a very cold morning, right? Very cold morning, maybe you're at the Budamark. Um, some of your friends have dragged you out earlier than you uh, would have uh, normally chosen to get out of bed if you were thinking more sanely, and it's freezing cold, and you can see your breath, right? You can see your breath, but it's there for a moment, and then it's gone. Another way that this could be translated is, is a puff, like a puff of smoke. That's what your life is. And then gone. There for a moment, and then gone. Number three, it's arrogant to plan without reference to our total dependence on God because we act as if we can determine what we will do with our lives and what we will accomplish with our efforts when only God can guarantee those things. Psalm 127 tells us, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Right? Of course, we must put forth effort and work towards goals. That's the way the, the God created uh, this world to work. But if we are viewing things accurately, we'll realize that even when we put forth our best efforts, we only succeed if God wills it. We are th- viewing things falsely, sinfully, if we can, th- if we think we can accomplish things without God. So in short, when we plan without reference to God, when we view things as guaranteed, our plans as guaranteed, we think of ourselves basically as if we're God, or at least as if we don't need God. We snub the one who gives us life and breath and everything. And we act as if we can handle life just fine without him. This, brothers and sisters, this is practical atheism. It's arrogant and evil. And yet, it's so easy. It's so easy for us to slip into viewing life this way. It's so easy for us to take so many things for granted. So then, how can we overcome this arrogance and honor God in how we think about and plan our lives? Number one, cultivate humility. Cultivate humility. Remind yourself that God is God and you are not. God is God and you are not. And what do I mean by that? Well, more specifically, you have to remind yourself that you know nothing about the future apart from what the Bible tells you. Amazingly, we actually know far more about 
way off into eternity. We know that we're going to be in a, in, in, we're going to be sinless and we're going to be enjoying God's presence and we're, and, and, and we're going to be worshiping Him for all eternity and other believers are going to be there from every tribe, tongue, people and nation. We, we know more about that than we know about tomorrow. You know nothing that God has not revealed to you in His Word. And remind yourself that you can do nothing apart from God. You can do nothing apart from God. Right? Remind yourself of that verse. Unless God builds a house, you labor in vain. So because of all that, we need to stop putting our confidence in our abilities, our possessions, our, our, our savings account, our social position, our, our connections. Uh, we need to stop uh, putting any confidence in, in how well we plan, uh, how, how clever our ideas are, um, what we've accomplished. None of that is really from us. <laughs> None of that we could have apart from God. And even with all those things, right? Cleverness and the best of plans and the best of connections and the best education, we will not succeed without God. Put your confidence in God and God alone. In the Old Testament, kings were often rebuked for putting their confidence in the size of their army or the number of horses and chariots they had or in the power of other armies whose help they were able to enlist for various battles. Listen to what God says about this in Isaiah 31. Isaiah 31.1 Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong. But do not look to the Holy One of Israel or consult the Lord. Verse 3 The Egyptians are man and not God. And their horses are flesh and not spirit. When the Lord stretches out his hand, the helper will stumble. That's Egypt in this case. And he who is helped will fall. That's Israel. And they will all perish together. Israel, without God on your side, you can have all these chariots. You can have all these horses. You can have the help of this super powerful army from, from another country. You will fail without God. Similarly, Luke 12 talks about a rich man who puts his confidence in his riches and possessions. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Right? It's guaranteed I've got this. I can just enjoy now. Verse 20. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, uh, you, the, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Right? They're not going with you. They're not going with you. You've accomplished nothing. Putting our confidence in anything or anyone besides God Himself is foolishness. So. How would we apply this with the Zuma 
unrest, riots, and looting. Communities have banded together to protect their neighborhoods. They put together roadblocks to check cars coming in and out of the neighborhoods. They had guns and a wide variety of makeshift weapons like baseball bats and uh, garden tools. At one mall, you see the staff of a shop right very cleverly covered the floor with, with cooking oil. And anyone trying to loot the, coming close to the store to try and loot it was slipping and falling. And all of this is, is great. You know, the, 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 these things came together to help people protect themselves, to help people protect their stores. And my point is not that these ideas and plans, these partnerships should not have been put into practice to help people protect themselves. Not at all. My point is just to recognize that we need God more than we need clever plans, more than we need weapons, more than we need a small community army and, and, and people coming together. These ideas and measures only work because God willed for them to work. Ultimately, brothers and sisters, we are always dependent on God. God. Okay, so firstly, how do we overcome arrogance? How do we honor God and how we view life and how we go about planning? Firstly, we cultivate humility. Secondly, we depend on God in prayer. If it's true that we can do nothing without Him, surely it makes sense to look to Him and ask Him for help with everything. It makes sense to take nothing for granted. It makes sense to pray for our daily bread, even when the fridge is full and the bank account is full, even when it seems like a silly prayer, because we feel like we do. We're back to a good situation and we're feeling like we've got this. We still pray for our daily bread. We thank God for shelter. We pray for our health. We pray for our families. We pray for ability to do our work well. We pray for ability to to be of help and encouragement to our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We pray for God to bless our efforts, um, whatever they are, that, 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 that our efforts might actually be fruitful. And we should thank Him for everything, right? Because this is the other side of the coin. If we need Him for everything then everything we have is also from him. So we should ask him for his help for everything and thank him for the help and provision he does give us. Number three, we need to remember God's sovereignty and refer to it in our speech. We need to remember God's sovereignty and refer to it in our speech. Historically, many Christians would write DV, the letters DV, uh, in, in, in letters, um, you know, uh, when they're referring to, to their plans. And what that stands for is Deo Valente, which is God willing. God willing. And the point here is not to use this phrase in some sort of way where now we're wishy-washy or uncommitted, where saying God willing is a substitute for, I haven't really made my mind up and I'm not going to commit just yet. No, not at all. Uh, we 
we do commit, we do make plans, but we remind ourselves and we remind those we're interacting with that even though we fully intend to do ABC, we realize we're only going to do ABC if God wills. We realize we can pursue certain goals and, 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 and have certain plans, but God might plan otherwise. We should plan, we should dream, and we must work hard towards those plans and dreams. That's all good. That is all good and right. Proverbs tells us to learn from the ant who diligently stores away extra supplies in the summer, planning ahead and preparing for a time when there will be less. That is good. The Apostle Paul planned and dreamed and he asked for prayers for the success of those plans. So planning itself is definitely not sinful. But planning as if something is sure and guaranteed when it's actually in God's hands and not ours, and we don't know what God's will is, that is presumptuous and sinful. Okay. Number four, keep an open hand. In other words, remember the if of the phrase, if the Lord wills. And counsel your heart to be ready to defer to God's will if his will is different to yours. Very practically, it's helpful to only allow ourselves to develop expectations that are shaped by Scripture to remember that there are some things that God has promised us and will certainly give us, because he always keeps his promises. And there are, on the other hand, many other things that may be good things in and of themselves, things that are are good to desire, things that are good to pursue, but things that God has not promised us, okay, has not promised us. Things that fall into a category of if God wills. So God has not promised us that everyone who wants a BMW will get a BMW. He's not promised us the job of our dreams. Um, he hasn't even promised us, though, things like that everyone who wants to be married will get married or that everyone who wants to have children will be able to have children. He's not promised us that our close family uh, members will all live long lives or that we will not face chronic painful health issues. Brothers and sisters, this is one of the ways that the prosperity gospel and so much of what is called Christianity today uh, teaches falsehood, right? As soon as something is not the way we want it to be, uh, as soon as something is not comfortable, as soon as something is not um, luxurious, right? It is assumed, it is assumed that that actually, no, you know, God does intend to give us these things. And it's just a matter of more in the offering plate or, or um, you know, more all-night prayer vigils or more church attendance and and then and then God will give us these things. Or if your faith was greater, uh, then you would you would have these things. 
But we only know that God will give us what he has promised us in his word. And with these other things that we may long for or desire, we can pray, if it's your will, if it's your will. And we can and should be honest with God about our desires, but we should not feel let down by him when his will differs from ours. We should not feel as if he hasn't kept promises when he hasn't actually made those promises to us. He keeps all his promises, all the promises he has made in his word. So what I mean by this illustration of keeping an open hand or this this way of speaking of keeping an open hand, well, think of it as your hand is holding onto this thing that you want, right? But your hand is open. Your fingers are not wrapped around this thing in such a way that you won't let go of it if God wills differently. You're not going to engage in a tug of war with God as if you have to have this thing and you will not, um, you will not settle for anything else. You're honest with you about your desires, but you recognize that what you want might not happen. And therefore, it's not wise to bank on it as if it is something guaranteed or to hope in it as if this is the thing that will make you happy. This is the thing that will fulfill you. No. We recognize that sometimes God will answer our prayers with no, or at least with wait. And it is, it is, we need to be willing to say, not my will, but your will be done. Because brothers and sisters, God is God and we are not. God is God and we are not. He is on his throne. Ruling and reigning over every detail. And he has the power and authority to choose what will come to pass. And we must be open to whatever his will is. Lastly, trust. Trust. We need to trust God. We need to prefer God's will. Okay? We need to prefer God's will. There are several sayings out there that are half truths. It is what it is, right? Someone says, ah, you know, they recognize this thing has happened and there's nothing we can do to change it. It is what it is. And that's intended to help us accept that some things just are out of our hands and we can't do anything about it. Or maybe you've heard this, this expression, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? It's a saying that intends to help us realize, okay, look, this thing is difficult, but you got through it, and that builds character. Both both sayings are true, right? But how much more truth is there to comfort and encourage us when we recognize more of what Scripture has to say, right? When we recognize... It is what it is, right? We can't change it. But it's in the hands of the all-powerful, perfectly wise God who has made me his child, loves me beyond what I can comprehend, and has promised to work all things together for my good. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. 
and, and all difficulties that come into your life are brought your way by your loving Heavenly Father to grow your faith and to make you more like Jesus Christ. And He's with you every step of the way, giving you all the grace you need. You are not in control. And that can be a very scary thought. You're not in control of even the most basic things. You don't know you will wake up tomorrow. And, and brothers and sisters, that can be very scary, but it shouldn't be when we have a biblical worldview. Because you are not in control does not mean it's you versus God as if he's against you. What a scary reality that would be. God wouldn't even have to engage us in battle. He would just have to say, stop breathing, <laughs> and we'd be done. But that's not the reality, right? It's not us versus God. It's not life. It, life is not about us desperately trying to earn enough points with God to scratch his back in just the right ways that we can appease him and that he will make things work out for us. Thankfully, that's not reality either. And and even if it, it, it's crazy to think it might be a reality, because he doesn't need anything from us. It would be hopeless <laughs> to try. It's also not true that we're powerless in the hands of a disinterested God as if just kind of whatever his will is, it is. And maybe that will go well for us, and maybe it won't. Sometimes it goes our way, sometimes it doesn't, and there's nothing more to be said about it. It just is what it is. No. No. Life is not in our control, but it is fully in the control of our Heavenly Father, who wants to hear from us, delights in giving us good gifts, and sometimes chooses things for us that we don't prefer in the moment because he knows what is best. About a year and a half ago, um, we told our kids that we were going to uh, bring home a surprise for them. Heather was out and she was going to come home with a surprise. And for some reason, Jensen really uh, just was so sure that the surprise was donuts. He was sure that the surprise was donuts, and he talked about it all morning. Uh, you know, the donuts are coming. He can't wait for the donuts. Donuts are so yummy. Um, and then, you know, Heather gets here, and he runs to the car, and he's like, donuts, donuts. Mommy, where's the donuts, right? Um, but she didn't have donuts. Uh, what she had was was a puppy, it was Chuck, so Great Dane, and um, the other kids were all blown away and have this fun morning of them just getting to know this 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 little puppy and just really enjoying the puppy. Um, but Jensen just stomps off and sulks, uh, and he's just, "Where's the donuts?" You said you were bringing donuts, you know, and Heather's just like, no, we, we, we didn't say that. We said we were bringing a surprise. We didn't tell you what the surprise was. Um, and no, but it's not donuts. It's a puppy, you know, it's way better. Um, 
But that particular morning, he just could not get over the fact that the donuts he had set his heart on never arrived. Um, but, you know, since that day, I've had so many opportunities to just enjoy watching my son enjoy his dog, you know, playing with him, wrestling with him, cuddling with him. And it's just so evident, right, how much better <laughs> and how much lasting, how much more lasting a good thing uh, this puppy was than just donuts that would have been eaten on the day and then gone and done for. Um, we can be like this with life, right? We are so sure we know what would bring us the most happiness and what would be best for us. We think we know better than God. And sometimes it really is difficult to accept as well. Sometimes it's confusing. Sometimes it's frustrating. Sometimes it's it complicates things. Um, sometimes it really hurts. Sometimes it's difficult to understand. Sometimes it's really hard to see how what he's bringing about in our life really is for our good. But, brothers and sisters, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know the one who holds tomorrow. And we know we can trust him. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know the one who holds tomorrow. And we know we can trust him. His ways and thoughts are far above ours. The scripture says, Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? The scripture says, He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? He works all things together for our good. All things. Brothers and sisters, God is God and we are not. God is God and we are not. And that is a good thing. It's a good thing. It can be scary to us if we think about it wrongly, but it is such a good thing. Because our God is who he is. And we can trust him. Let's pray. Dear God, we want to go back to these difficulties of the coronavirus and the Zuma unrest, and we 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 do, Lord. We 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 want to bring to you the fact that these things make us feel so uncomfortable because they're so clearly beyond our control. But God, I pray that we will find great confidence in the fact that they are not beyond your control. That you are at work in every little detail. And God, how amazing it is that you bring good through such horrid things. How amazing it is that we can trust you even in the midst of such difficult times. 
God, I pray that you would help us to realize that, that really every day is like this. Every day we we could die in our sleep. Every day we could die in a car accident. Every day there, there might be some reason why the supply of food to our, our local stores is cut off. And we find ourselves unexpectedly praying, give us this day our daily bread. Our jobs could be taken away. Our, our, our money could be stolen. There's so many things that really are outside of our control every single day. And yet, God, our confidence should not be in how good our plans are or, or, or how well we think we have things covered. Our confidence should always be in the fact that everything is in your hands. Everything in your hands. We can depend on you. We can trust you. And God, I pray that we would be people who truly do depend on you for absolutely everything in full confidence. And we pray that you would be honored in our lives as we do so. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that because of him, we have this relationship with you and we will have this relationship with you forever and ever and ever. Thank you that we have a glorious future that is guaranteed and that we'll get to enjoy it together forever and ever. We pray all this in Jesus' name.